Um, our passage this morning is John 14, so if you have your Bible, if you would open up to John 14. And if you don't have your Bible, that is okay. The, the words will be behind me on the screen. These words of Jesus to his disciples in the last moments of his life. John 14, starting in verse 16. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned, I am coming to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live, you will also live. On that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and re reveal myself to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word, and the word you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this morning. I am grateful for your words that continue to speak fresh to us. I pray this morning that you would give me the gift of preaching and teaching, uh, that you would move through me in the same ways that you're moving through so many of our members here who are trying to be faithful stewards of your spirit. God, I pray that you would continue to bless this community of faith, Bless us with deep love for you and for one another. Bless us with a deep spirit of unity, with a bond of peace. And may the words this morning be a faithful word to who you are, to what you're up to in the world, and to where your spirit is guiding us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. During my junior year of college, I realized something that I hadn't really realized up to that point in college, and that was this. College does not last forever. Some people realize this early, and they change accordingly. Uh, some people graduate and still never realize college is over. Um, some of you will get that joke later. That may include you. Uh, but for me, it was my junior year where I began to realize I need to make some decisions about what's going to happen after I graduate. And so I began to wrestle my junior and senior year with those questions that are pretty common after high school or after college. What am I going to do next? What job am I going to get? Am I going to do more school? Am I going to move somewhere else? Am I going to stay here? All of these questions became this new season of discernment for me. Because for the first time in my life, pretty much up to that point, I kind of knew the next steps in my journey, and there wasn't a lot of questions to be asked. But this was kind of the first time where the horizon opened up a bit and I was 
given more options and choices and had to wrestle with some questions about what was going to happen next. And I still remember making that decision and and breathing this sigh of relief, thinking to myself, well, I'm glad that's over. That will never happen again. Now, hopefully some of you are grinning because you realize that that is far from the truth. Uh, That as you get older, as you change life season and stage, uh, it's not that the questions go away. It's just that the nature of those questions change. Should I marry this person or not? Do we stay or do we leave? When do we have the conversation with mom and dad? Do I bring that up with my boss or not? What should I do with this situation with my friend? The questions never go away. They just change in nature as we change throughout our lives. And I think one of the things that makes these questions sometimes more difficult and more weighty for us as people of faith is not just that we want to make good decisions, we want to make faithful decisions. We want to make decisions faithful to God. And so the kinds of questions that we end up asking are are different. It's not just, should I take this job or not? It's, does God want me to take this job or not? It's not just, should we move or not? But... We ask the question, is God calling us somewhere else or not? And because of our faith, the questions that we wrestle with and that we discern and that we wonder about have this added weight to them because we want to be faithful. And so we have this added responsibility that we feel as people of faith for this deep guidance. We desire deeper, more divine kind of guidance in our life. And if you've ever felt that in whatever season of life you may have found yourself in, I think our passage this morning is particularly important for us to hear because Jesus gives to us a promise that I don't think we should miss. Jesus promises us that we will have guidance, that we will have help in the form of the Spirit. Now, John's gospel is really important for us to pay attention to as we move through this series on the Spirit because John's gospel is unique in that Jesus speaks directly about the Spirit more than any of the other three gospels. Jesus, a total of 15 times, will talk directly about the Spirit, which far exceeds Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And this passage that we're going to look at today is a part of this larger chunk of a passage in John, John 14 through 17, that is sometimes called the final discourse of Jesus because it's the last time Jesus is going to speak to his disciples in this particular way. It's this last meal moment, and these are the final words of Jesus before he leaves his disciples. And five times in this final discourse, Jesus is going to talk about the Spirit. There's these extended teachings on the Spirit that Jesus gives to the disciples. One author summed it up this way. She said there's basically three things uh, that John's trying to do, or Jesus is trying to do in this section called the final discourse, or these last words of Jesus. Three things he's trying to say. One, I'm leaving. Two, you're staying. But three... 
I'm leaving the Spirit and sending the Spirit to be with you. That Jesus promises to disciples then and disciples now that we are not going to be left alone as orphans, but we have a presence with us. We have a guide who will be with us forever. And the reason I picked our particular passage, the first of these five extended teachings in John 14 through 17 this morning, is not just because it's the first time Jesus talks about the Spirit in this final discourse, but also because Jesus uses two names for the Spirit that I think give us important insight into the nature of the Spirit and what it means to be guided by the Spirit. Jesus says this at the beginning of our passage, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. The first name that Jesus gives to the spirit is not the spirit. Uh, The first name that Jesus gives to the spirit is this very layered and textured term that depending on the translation that you're reading will depend on how it gets translated. So some translations say advocate, some say helper, some say companion, some say friend. And that variety of translations should give us insight into how layered and thick and rich of a term this is that Jesus uses here. But the word literally just means the one called alongside. And it communicates this idea of this presence who's going to be offering assistance. Or to quote one author, a preferred definition I like is helping presence, that Jesus promises this helping presence in our life, which is why in just a few verses he's going to say, I'm not leaving you as orphans. You're not going to be alone. You will have a helping presence with you. But the detail that I want us to to pay attention to is not just this title that Jesus uses, but the term that he uses right before this title. Because the word that he uses right before this title, I believe, gives us even further insight into this title. Jesus says that it's not going to be any kind of advocate or any kind of comforter or helping presence, but it's going to be another advocate, another helping presence. Meaning, God has already sent them one advocate, one helping presence, that is Jesus And now there's going to be another advocate who comes and moves in the same ways that Jesus was moving, who advocates in the same ways that Jesus was advocating, who serves as a helping presence in the same way Jesus served them as a helping presence. And we should be aware of that as we read this second title or this second name given to the Spirit, where Jesus calls the Spirit the Spirit of truth. Now, truth's a really important word in John. John uses the word truth really early in his gospel because he tells us that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And then for the rest of John's gospel, he keeps using this word truth, and it's always connected to the life and teaching and ministry of Jesus. When John talks about truth, he's talking about Jesus. That's why 
in his final discourse, just a, a few verses before this, a few minutes before Jesus uses this title, Spirit of Truth, he begins to tell them what's going to happen. I'm leaving. You're staying. And so, of course, Thomas asks, well, how are we going to know the way to where you're going? And then Jesus makes that famous statement. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. In other words, if you want to know what truth looks like, then look to Jesus. And then just a few seconds later, a few minutes later, Jesus starts talking about the Spirit. And he uses the same exact word, Spirit of truth. And you can't have read John's Gospel. And you couldn't have been sitting at this meal without hearing the word truth and remembering what Jesus just said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, the Spirit who is coming is going to be one who keeps revealing truth consistent with the truth revealed in Jesus. These two names that Jesus uses gives us insight into the nature of the Spirit and who the Spirit is. And the Spirit is closely and intimately connected to the life, teaching, and ministry of Jesus. The Father the Son, and the Spirit are intimately connected to each other. As some of you know, today is St. Patrick's Day. I can see a lot of green in the congregation this morning. And whether you know it or not, uh, St. Patrick's Day, contrary to popular belief, is not about leprechauns and green beer, although that's what some people think. Um, sorry, I just said the word leprechaun in church. I apologize. But, but actually, this day has this deep, significant historical tradition rooted in this person named St. Patrick. St. Patrick was born around 385 A.D. Uh, and he has this amazing story of when he was 16 years old, he was captured by pirates, and he was sent to this foreign country, living under this foreign tongue. He never knew if he was ever going to make it back to his homeland of Britain, where he was originally born. Uh, but miraculously, he was able to leave this foreign land eventually, and he went back home to Britain. And then the most amazing thing happened. He believed that God was calling him to go back to the place from where he came, this place called Ireland. And so he followed this call of God to be a missionary to the people of Ireland. And as is the case, when a missionary goes into a, a foreign land where people have no preconceived notions about the Christian faith, he was left with the task of this missionary to make relevant the teachings of the Christian faith. He had to make the teachings of the Christian faith connect with the culture in which he found himself. And one of the teachings that he was intent on explaining to the people of Ireland was this Christian teaching about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, one and three, three and one. And so he, as he moved around the countryside of Ireland, he stumbled upon this object, the object that he's holding in his hand in the picture behind me, a three-leaf clover that he would use to explain the fundamental nature of God, these three distinct expressions of this single divine nature. And very often, as these pictures indicate, 
pictures of Patrick have him holding a three-leaf clover, not just because the teaching of the Trinity was so crucial to how he thought about the Christian faith, but also it's this object that symbolizes his brilliance in trying to make known this fundamental teaching in a relevant way. And I couldn't help but think of this image in St. Patrick this past week as I was wrestling with our text, not just because I knew that today was St. Patrick's Day, but also because that image is such a powerful image that I think helps get at what Jesus is trying to say about the relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit. That, yeah, any analogy, any illustration is going to have some blind spots and will fall short a little bit, but I love how Patrick was trying to communicate these ideas about who God is and who Jesus is and who the Spirit is. That their relationship with each other is this relationship of equality. That their relationship with each other is this relationship of dependency. And their relationship with each other is this relationship of intimacy. There is an intimate and deep connection between Father, Son, and Spirit that gets at what Jesus is trying to teach disciples then and teach disciples now. In other words, if you want to know what the Father is like, if you want to know what God is like, then look to Jesus. But if you want to know what the Spirit is like, then you do the same thing. You look to Jesus. And I think this is an important point just to spend a bit of extra time on because often what happens when we talk about the Spirit is our conversations get really vague and abstract. They get really general and mushy. And before you know it, we kind of get lost in the mystery of the Spirit, which we need to hold on to, but we don't need to get lost in it. Because Jesus talks about the Spirit with a lot more definition and texture and personality than what we can often do when we talk about the Spirit. And specifically for Jesus, the personality of the Spirit was refined and made known through the person of Jesus. The Spirit comes as a continuation of, of what was started in Jesus. The the Spirit comes as the indwelling presence of Jesus to and with the church. If you want to know what the Spirit looks like, then always look to Jesus. If you want to know how the Spirit guides and leads, then always look to Jesus. And that's why we have to spend such a big amount of time on the nature of the Spirit. Because if we don't understand these names and this nature that Jesus points us to, then we'll never understand what it means to be guided by the Spirit. Or I would say it this way. The guidance of the Spirit will always guide us in the direction of Jesus. The guidance of the Spirit will always guide us in the direction of Jesus. Because like I said earlier, we're we're men and women of faith who don't just want to make good decisions, we want to make faithful decisions. We're constantly trying to discern the will and the ways of God in our life. And that is mysterious and challenging work. And sometimes we bump up against that challenge, and if you're like me, you grow impatient, and then you do what you wanted to do in the first place, and you call it the Spirit. Or you bump up into that mysterious piece, and you just think, well, I'll never, ever know. But even though there's a lot of mystery to the Spirit, there is still a ministry of Jesus. 
even though the Spirit will blow where the Spirit wants to blow, there is a trajectory set in motion for the Spirit based upon the testimony of Jesus. That we may be curious about what the Spirit is up to in our life, but we still have the commands and teachings of Jesus to guide us. That we may still long to know which way God is wanting us to go, but we still have those fundamental core commands of Jesus to love God and love neighbor. In all contexts, in all situations, wherever we may end up. See, the Spirit is always going to guide us into deeper fellowship with Jesus. The Spirit is always going to guide us into deeper obedience to Jesus. The Spirit's always going to guide us in the direction of Jesus. This past week, I was reading this uh, scholar, this world-renowned scholar on the Gospel of John. Uh, and she was writing about the Spirit, and she made a few observations about the Spirit and gave these three key words that she thought that we should keep in mind as we think about who the Spirit is. And as I wrestled with these words and as I reflected on these three words, I thought they're not only relevant to the nature of the Spirit, but I think they're relevant to us when we think about what it means to be guided by the Spirit. And so I want to close this morning by offering these three words as these kinds of guideposts to us as we continue to wrestle and discern with what the Spirit is up to and where the Spirit is leading in our lives. Thankfully, they all start with the same letter, so hopefully they'll be easier to remember. The first word is the word conserving. Jesus will later say in the same passage that one of the things that the Spirit is going to do is going to remind the disciples of all that he has taught them. A key function of the Spirit is to help us to remember and to recall the life and teachings and ministry of Jesus as presented in the Gospels. Therefore, if we find ourselves in a season where we're seeking the guidance of the Spirit, then we should be closely connected to the life and teachings and witness of Jesus as we read about in the Gospels. How can we know where the Spirit might be guiding us if we aren't closely tuned in to when and where and how the Spirit was guiding Jesus. The second word she gives is the word creating. Later, Jesus will say in John 16, in another one of these extended passages on the Spirit, that he cannot tell the disciples everything in this moment, but that the Spirit will come and teach them everything. That there is still more truth for Jesus to reveal to the disciples through the Spirit. A key function of the Spirit is to keep allowing truth to speak in fresh and new ways, depending on changing circumstances and context. Therefore, if we're in a season of seeking the guidance of the Spirit, we should ask ourselves deep in our hearts, are we even open to God's Spirit doing a new thing in our life, in our home, in our churches, in our relationships? That's a significant question for us to be honest about. Because I think, side note, that one of the struggles of Churches of Christ, of whom I am a card-carrying member for 35 years, and love the Churches of Christ deeply, love the Restoration Movement deeply, one of the gifts given to me by my church and other churches 
was that first word of how the Spirit works. I was told and taught, and I am grateful. The Spirit moves through, staying close to the life and teachings and witness of Jesus. There is something for us to recall and remember that we should not get too far away from. But I don't think our movement and our churches have done as well with that other word, that creating word, to allow the Spirit to do new and fresh and different things depending on changing circumstances and changing context. That's been a word that we have been less hesitant to embrace. Because the spirit of nostalgia and the spirit of God are not the same thing. Which is why we need this third word. The word community. Community may be the most important of the three words. Because every time Jesus uses any language about the spirit in this final discourse, he never uses a singular you. He uses a plural you. Southern translation, y'all are not going to be left as orphans. Y'all are not going to be left on your own. Jesus' vision for the Spirit is always a community vision. There's always a community of disciples that Jesus has in mind as he thinks about what it means to be gifted and empowered by the Spirit. Therefore, if we find ourselves in seasons of discerning and wanting guidance of the Spirit, we have to be connected to a Jesus community. We have to be willing to wrestle with those hard questions with other Jesus followers. Because circumstances and context change. Seasons change. The horizon opens up a bit more, and we get all these new questions that keep moving our way. And in community, together, we wrestle with, what are we going to conserve? Where's the Spirit calling us back to the teachings of Jesus? And where are we going to allow the Spirit to create new things that are faithful expressions in our midst? And we do that over and over and over and over because the journey is never complete. But the journey of the Spirit together as a community of faith will always, always, always move in the direction of of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this morning. We're grateful that you have gifted us with your spirit. And as Kevin reminded us last week, this is a, this is a new reality for a lot of us because we were raised in places and among people who may not have taught us or guided us in these promises. And so for a lot of us, this is, this is new it feels like waters that we've never been in before. And so I pray that you would bless us with a lot of patience and grace for ourselves and for each other. That you would open our hearts wider and wider so that we could be open, not just to the things that you have done through Jesus, but the new things that you're wanting to do in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our churches in our friend groups, and beyond. And God, make us a people who continue to come back to each other in love and grace and mercy and a spirit of unity so that we together can journey as a Jesus community and that we can be a faithful expression of who you are to the world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.